I got to a point when I was about 26, 27, where I was like, wow, I'm, I'm actually living paycheck to paycheck, right? And so I didn't want that anymore. And so I had to start to consider uh, a, a different career path where that wouldn't be the case. You were just listening to Priscilla Esquivel Weninger, a Texas Latina and daughter of immigrants from Mexico and Peru who's making moneda moves. I'm your host, Leon Alfaro, and after a brief hiatus, we are back. Today, we're speaking with Priscilla, a proper jefa or boss who landed her dream job working within human capital strategy consulting after earning her MBA from University of Texas at Austin with a full ride scholarship nonetheless. It's a journey she embarked in her mid 20s when, as she expressed, she realized her salary she earned in the nonprofit space was not helping her achieve the financial independence she sought out in the long run. She doesn't mince words about the journey to get there and stresses the path there was not linear. That's why she also hosts the Early Career Moves podcast, where she created it for other ambitious BIPOC folks who are making critical career decisions and exploring, pivoting, accelerating, and applying. Today, we speak about Priscilla about her journey throughout the MBA process and lessons learned. No te lo quieres perder. about a little bit about your background, where you're from, how you grew up and what your entry into the world of business was like. Yeah. So I am from Houston, Texas, born and raised, and my parents are immigrants. My mom is from Monterrey, Mexico, and my dad is from Iquitos, Peru. So right in the middle of the Amazon jungle. And so they're very, you know, they were immigrants. They came to this country um, in the late 80s, and I was born in Houston, um, only child, so who grew up pretty sheltered. Um, and both of my parents, uh, my mom was a school teacher and my dad worked for the city of Houston um, as a blue collar worker. And so they're both very committed to public service and are just so hardworking, which I think a lot of children of immigrants, we have that story, you know, of our parents, just watching our parents work so hard. Um, and so, yeah, I grew up, I would say, you know, uh, middle class. And I, I definitely was really fortunate, went to great schools in Houston. Um, but, you know, was really not exposed to a lot of the elite career industries until much, much later. So, um, yeah, my parents were blue collar workers. And so I I just didn't really know what existed and I couldn't really rely on them to explain to me like, oh, there's there's all these different career paths and this is how you get into them. Right. So I think that it was something that I had to figure out by myself Um throughout my 20s once I was, you know, went to college and everything. And so I went to Wellesley College. I studied political science. And after that, I spent about seven or eight years in the education world um, and also the nonprofit world. So I did Teach for America. Um, I worked in Texas politics 
Um, I also worked for Idea Public Schools, which is a big uh, national charter school district doing a lot of talent strategy work. So recruiting teachers, working on just different, you know, strategic initiatives when it came to talent. And so that's where I started to think about wow, I really love working with people and, you know, being able to think about the people side of businesses. And that's what started to kind of pique my interest into considering human capital strategy consulting and doing it on a much broader level. So you said, again, you did not start in the world of business. You started with a um, study in poli-sci. How what was your intro to the business world like? And why did you find that this better aligned with something that you wanted to do in your future? I mean, so I think that for me, I I went to, I think my big transition was me deciding I want to get an MBA. And I was a non-traditional applicant. I didn't have anything on my resume to show that I had worked in the private sector. Um, and so for me, I would say when I worked at that charter school district, I got to see how the school district operated as a business essentially. And so even though it was a school district, they still had to recruit teachers and students and you know go raise money. And I, I started to see the inner workings of this big machine. And so that's when I kind of started to ask myself like, this is really cool. Like, how can I lead how I want to become an organizational leader? How do I do that? And I realized that a lot of the education leaders at major school districts are actually MBAs and have the business background. And so it's pretty common now in education to see a lot of MBAs being the ones that are the leaders. And so that's what got me thinking about getting the MBA. And so, yeah, it was, I went to business school. I went through that whole process and my peers, most of them had a ton of experience in business. And so I was definitely more of, you know, the outlier and had to really ramp up quickly and take all of those classes like finance, accounting, operations. And so that was more theoretical, but I would say my first experience was when I interned at the company where I currently work and started to understand like, oh, this is the connection between human capital strategy and, you know, business priorities for different organizations um, and just really enjoyed that. Yeah. So just being able and being open to those different lines of work and, and not, not necessarily sticking to the poli size silo and seeing that they're all interconnected. Like you said, you said a lot of people in education tended to have that MBA business background. Mm-hmm. I'd like to continue just kind of like on your path here and the strategic moves you made of your own among them going to business school. How did you decide where and when to go? I see that there was there were six years between undergrad and when you decided to go in, um, and get an MBA. Why that wait? And, and would you recommend that for other people? Um, is there anything you would do differently? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that I, I went really late um, to business school. At least that's what I, how I feel. It was not a linear path, right? So I think a lot of people who want to go to business school, they know it pretty early. Maybe they were an undergrad business major or they worked in the private sector and then they want, and then after three, four, five years, they go to business school. And that was not really my story. Like for me, I had never even considered entering the business world until I was working at the charter school district for about a year, a year and a half, and started to realize, wow, a lot of the leaders do have MBAs. I wonder why this MBA is so highly valued. Um, So that was one thing. And then the other thing was, 
just, I started to think about my own earning potential long-term. And at the time I was working so many hours, working so hard at this school district. And I was making, um, and if, if it's okay, I, I'm very transparent, but I was making um, $68,000 a year. Um, and like, you know, I, I was like, okay, that's, that's, that's comfortable for me. Um, but then I started to realize that that ceiling was, I was coming up on that ceiling for me, earnings wise. And so for me, I, I thought a lot about like, yes, I care about education. I have these values, but I also need to start thinking about like my own, uh, personal, like finance and like stability and taking care of myself. So I think for a long time in my twenties, my career was all about just like making an impact and making a difference and being very like mission oriented. Um, but I got to a point when I was about 26, 27, where I was like, wow, I'm, I'm actually living paycheck to paycheck. Right. And so mm -hmm. I didn't want that anymore. And so I had to start to consider, uh, a, a different career path where that wouldn't be the case. Like I would be able to have, um, be able to save more, have a 401k, you know, think about, you know, just being more strategic financially because I don't have anything to fall back on in terms of wealth or generational wealth. Right. And so it, it really was a moment in my, when I was 26, where I was like, I'm working really hard. I know I'm really smart and I'm not seeing that ROI financially at all. And I'm now realizing that it, this does matter and, and I need to take care of this. And so I think it was very strategic for me to go to business school and to be able to land in a job where I well over doubled what I was making, um, you know, two years later. So yeah, that was a big part of my story. So many, I think things that will resonate in what you just said with a lot of our first generation and Latinx population, because a lot of us don't have that safety net, financial safety net to fall back on. And it sounds like, um, yes, your move was strategic, but it was also turning into your complete values. Because as you said, you cared a lot about education, but you also realized I care a lot about financial independence, right? So you're, you're trying to make moves to make sure that you're set up for your future. Um, because without you, without Priscilla, it's hard to make the impact that you want to make. So I think that that it's so important that you talked about that um, and just how you, you, you thought about like, okay, what is it entirely that I care about in my life and what kind of life do I envision for myself? Um, right. I also appreciate that you shared your salary. The salary <laughs> transparency is huge. I do want to ask you with MBA often comes a big price tag. How did you kind of grapple with getting your head around that price tag and also getting as much of of the expenses covered as you could in preparation for an MBA? Yeah, it's a really important question. And so when I had that moment when I was 26, 27, I was looking at the beginning of a basically two-year application process. Um, because you know, you to get to get to be able to get significant funding, you know, scholarship opportunities, you do need to score pretty well on the GMAT or the GRE. And so I knew I had that ahead of me. And just the whole process of figuring out how to tell my story and how to make myself attractive to top programs. And I don't think it needs to take that long. I think it just took me a little longer. But I do remember telling myself, I'm not going to go unless I get significant funding. 
um, because I was so worried about that price tag, it's not a small number. It's actually, I think the average is like $200,000 in debt. Right. And so I didn't, I, I didn't want that, that debt. Right. And so I was just like, okay, Priscilla, let's ponte las pilas, right? Like let's work super hard to get the best possible GMAT score. Um, and as a Latina who is a very, I would be, I, I was, it's an underrepresented group in business school. It makes a huge difference to have that very high GMAT score. And so that's what I did for a whole year. That was my life was studying for the GMAT. I finally, at the end of a year, a really tough year, finally got a very competitive score. And I believe that was a big part of why I got the full ride. So I got a full ride. Um, like my tuition was fully paid for, um, for my business degree. And it was through the consortium, which, um, is such an amazing organization. Um, I can, let me share the full name with you so that you can have it for your listeners. But uh, basically it's called Consortium for Graduate Study and Management. And they have many different schools that are very competitive business schools that are part of their program. And they offer full rides, half rides and membership. And it's for people who are uh, dedicated to advancing uh, diversity in business leadership. And so you don't have to identify as Latinx or Black, but you do have to be someone who has somehow contributed to efforts um, in diversity. And so I knew about their mission. I knew that I was a great fit. And I, I just worked super hard to try to get that scholarship and it worked out. And so that was a big reason why I could go. Um, but at the same time, I did have to forego an income for two years, right? And that's also a really tough um, kind of pill to swallow. Um, but I just kept telling myself, like, this is going to be worth it. It'll be worth it in the end. Wow, that's incredible. First of all, congratulations on getting a full ride. Um, I think that that definitely, even though you had to for forego your salary for as the duration of the program, it certainly, I'm sure getting that six figure, looking at that six figures and being, telling yourself, I'm going to do everything in my possible way to, to, to get as much funding as I can and to be able to achieve that. I think that's a great feat. Um, in terms of what you got out of an MBA, kind of looking back retrospectively for anyone who may be considering an MBA, what were some of the biggest net wins that you were able to acquire from that that helped you propel forward in your career? Yeah, I think that it's, I got so much out of the experience and a, a lot of it is the network and the people that you meet. And so, you know, I did go to business school before COVID hit. And I think that right now the experience in business school is, is not the same, right? Because you're not really meeting people all the time in your program. I mean, maybe you are, but it's just not the same experience. And so I would say, you know, my answer is based on being able to meet people and, and, and work with them. So I would say I got a lot out of just learning how to, you know, collaborate with people that are, were just really different for me. I was used to education world, nonprofit world, and very different ways of leading and working. And so it was great to suddenly be, you know, with the finance bros and like talking to people about private equity and venture capital and talking about, you know, tech product roadmaps. And so being able to have all of those conversations and meet all of these amazingly bright people and to be able to just grow and learn so much about 
business in two years um, was amazing. Like that really, it really did transform me, right? Um, and made me more multidimensional. And I would say that also just being able to understand how all of these different, you know, uh, disciplines intersect and trying to understand, well, who is, who is Priscilla and what am I good at? Um, a lot of people feel a lot of, um, you know, imposter syndrome in business school. I think people feel like I need to figure things out. And there's a lot of FOMO, like people are like, you know, having a hard time deciding what they're going to do with their business degree. And I think for me, my business school experience was a, a lot about being like, well, what am I really great at? What are my strengths? And kind of owning that because sometimes we like don't want to own our strengths. Um, and so I think for me, I realized, oh, wow, I, I really am good at leading and I don't have to be a super loud person. I can be an introvert and still lead. Right. And so it just kind of got me thinking a lot. It's a very reflective period and it helped me just kind of hone in on what kind of leader I want to be moving forward. I feel like I might know the answer to this, but I am curious, the vision of what you felt you would get from, from business school, was it what you actually came out with? Um, like, did you set a goal? Like when you went to business school, did you say, this is the Priscilla that's going to come out of business school and that's what happened? Or was it radically different than what you could have imagined? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think back to what, what I imagined right back then. And yeah, I think I, I, it did happen. Um, I did get to, you know, experience so many different things. I did get to grow. There was conflict, right? Like, the, and that's what's the beautiful thing is like you grow through discomfort and conflict. And it wasn't all, I mean, people talk a lot about business school is very social and it's really fun. You travel a lot and that's true, but it's also, you know, you're a student leader, you're working on big projects, you're working with seven people on a project and everyone's really smart. Everyone's working really hard, but not everyone prioritizes things at the same way because there's just so much going on. So I think like, I definitely am proud of the way that I grew as a leader um, and it made me just more just like confident. And I think sometimes like confidence is what we want out, out of the experience is just being able to go out in the market and be like, I'm good. Like I, I believe in what I have to offer and bring to the table. And I, I definitely got that. I think before business school, I was much more insecure, like, oh, like is, am I, is the employer going to want me? Right. And so through that transformation, I was like, oh, wait, I have a lot to offer. Like anyone should be like happy to have me on their team. Right. And so that, that definitely shifted for me. And I wouldn't say like, Oh, MBA leads to this automatically. I think it was just the process of growing and transforming through that time. I love that. Um, now I want to shift a little bit and talk about the podcast that you host early career moves podcast. It's all about, again, highlighting BIPOC professionals, finding about their career trajectories and how they accelerated their careers. And I think it's so interesting to peel back the layers and really find out, well, what did you have to deal with? What turmoil did you have internally that you had to deal with? You had to work through and then externally, what did you actually have to do to get there? Um, can you talk me through the reason behind starting the podcast and what you find are some of the biggest issues for our communities as they experience climbing the corporate ladder? Yeah, so I started this podcast last uh, July 2020, and 
you know, my, I graduated May, 2020 from my MBA program. And then because of the economic uncertainty of everything, my start date for my job got pushed back to January, 2021. So I thought I was going to start my job in the fall and that ended up changing. And so I suddenly had all of this time open. And so I did do other like contract jobs during the fall and, and that was, that was fine. But I was like, I'm, especially during lockdown, while everything was just sort of like depressing, to be really frank. Um, you know, I was like, I need something that's going to feed my my soul. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm someone who I was a high school teacher through Teach for America. You know, I've worked in policy and politics. I'm someone who was worked in nonprofits. I'm someone who's just like, I just want to help people. And that makes me feel good and um, work with underrepresented communities. And so I realized that in this new world of um, you know, COVID and what it, how it's transformed the world, I, I needed to figure out a new way to, ha- to feel that connection and also feel like I'm helping in some way. And so it was the perfect time. It was the perfect time to start the podcast. Um, and I just thought a lot about how in my 20s, I just didn't have that support uh, to figure out my career moves, whether that was going to business school or not. Um, I also have another master's degree that I got right after undergrad. And I, I did that because it was 2010 and, you know, the economy was really bad. And I was just like, okay, I'm just going to go to grad school. And so, you know, I, there were a lot of decisions that I made with very little guidance and very little input. And so, you know, I, I just wanted a space where I could interview people and, get to pull out different lessons for different people as they figure out their career paths um, with a focus on BIPOC communities um, because we do have another layer to kind of fight through when there's just not a lot of people who look like us um, in our families that can help us um, navigate all of that. So yeah, that's how it started. It's such a needed space. So thanks so much for starting that. And and thanks for asking me to come on as well and sharing a little bit of my insight. In this collection of people that you've interviewed and all of their learnings, what do you find are some of the commonalities between all of these narratives in terms of the biggest issues that we experience when it comes to climbing that corporate ladder? Yeah, I think that the some of the themes that come up a lot are for sure imposter syndrome. That's a very hot topic. People talk about it a lot. We we all I think most of us can say we've felt it at one point or another. And it means different things to different people. So that comes up a lot. And then I would also just say that there's also just uh, uh sometimes when you're especially a child of immigrants, there's like a a fear of um of not making, not living up to the expectations of your parents. I think we carry this extra burden of, well, they sacrifice so much to get here and I really need to make sure that I make them proud. Um, so it's like that extra layer of pressure that we put on ourselves that I've definitely heard in, in the different interviews that I've done. Um, and then just the microaggressions that come up at work, you know, small comments, small things that, you know, over time 
can really start to wear on someone. And that really speaks to just um, in just the sense of belonging that people are sometimes looking for at, at work that they may not be getting when they are the only person in the room that is black or LGBT or whatever, you know, identity it is. And so I think that a lot of us can feel really alone, but that's also why I wanted the podcast to exist because there's so many of us that are going through these moments. And sometimes we feel like, is it just me <laughs> or like, is, you know, and so sometimes you just need to hear, oh, this is a common story and there's a community out there that can, that will get that. Um, so I would say, yeah, we're overcoming a lot of mindset, um, you know, challenges and we're, a lot of us are the first in our families to be doing what we're doing. Um, but I would also say there's so much amazing resiliency and joy in my interviews as well, because we're just so like awesome and just doing our best. And it, there's a right. lot of positivity too. Right, right. No, the resiliency is a huge, it's a huge aspect, but I think you're right. I think there's power in the collective narrative, even though we're all very distinct, you can't group us. Um, but also it's, it's these common threads that bind us too. Uh, like for example, a, a big hot topic in the last year has been the Latinx community. And for that matter, I would say any community is not a monolith, right? Mm -hmm. But um, to be able to find these common threads and then together talk about how we overcome them, I think that that's huge. What have you found then have been some of the biggest accelerators? We talked some about hurdles. Uh, what are some of the biggest pushes that you have experienced personally too? Please feel free to share, but also your guests in terms of getting overcoming some of these mental hurdles, but also external factors to kind of get ahead? Yeah. So one accelerator that I've seen in people's careers is when people are willing to switch jobs um, or industries or just even pro kinds of projects pretty quickly. And I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of um, judgment around people who do change jobs frequently. And I really think that that's out an outdated um, I, you know, assumption that people make that, oh, if someone moves jobs, you know, every two or three years, then maybe they're not, you know, committed or whatever that is. And so I actually think that people who do change um, organizations or industries or functions every two or three years are, are growing and making more money, quite frankly, at a higher rate. And so I think that people who are really strategic about those moves um, tend to just grow because they're like in a new situation, they're able to talk about different projects, they're developing new skills, they're developing new relationships, they're developing developing their brand, um, kind of like you, right? Like you decided to leave an amazing brand for another amazing brand, right? It would be so easy to just stay where you are when you're comfortable or when you feel like, well, I'm, I'm well-known, I'm well-liked, but I think the people who dare to try something different, even if it's a little risky, um, end up actually growing just so tremendously in, in their stories. Yeah, no, I, I find that to be very true. And also I find myself thinking often about how we're not these one stream kind of people. We can be multi-hyphenates. And I think that exists even more so in BIPOC communities because we exist in these different worlds. And so we may have more to bring to the table than we think when we're put in the right environments. So I completely agree with this. 
Um, now, Priscilla, shifting a little bit to a little more personal question, looking at yourself today, where you are in your career trajectory and looking back to when you had just graduated from undergrad, what do you find were some of the things that got you to where you are today and maybe some of the uh, accelerators that you plan to implement again moving forward to figure out where you're, where you will go next? Yeah. So one of the accelerators I would say has, that has helped me a lot has been being a really strong networker and being understanding that relationships go two ways and being really authentic as I build relationships with people. And it's kind of funny in business school, um, networking is a really big part of being able to secure your internship and your full-time offer. And, you know, they talk about it a lot and how to, how to get good at networking. Um, but sometimes people really struggled with that. People struggle to, to be able to build an authentic relationship with other people. Um, and so I, I think for me, I just, I have, I'm someone who loves to talk to people one-on-one. I love to hear people's stories. And so I, I very quickly am draw. I feel like I'm pretty pretty good at being able to build a connection with someone and then have them remember me or some, or, you know, maybe a few months later, we, we, we see each other or talk again. Right. And so I think that I think about networking as a long-term play and it's really important to make small deposits into the relationship and helping proactively helping people on their own paths. And I think that that just has served me so well. Um, I've been able to like, even this last fall when I wasn't, I hadn't started my job yet. I got a, a full-time contract job based on a connection that I had made seven years before, right? And so it's just really important, I think, to be able to cultivate relationships and always be a giver in those relationships, not just take, right? Like it's mm-hmm. a give and take. And that's been something that's huge. Um, and what was the other part of that question? I think I missed one part. The other part was just what are the kind of common the skills or tactics or techniques that you'll continue to implement. I mean, it certainly sounds like networking is something that you can perpetually continue to implement, but just in terms of exploring and um, growing in your career. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, being a constant learner, being willing to say, I don't know, um, being a big, being willing to be a beginner all the time. Right. And like never feeling like, oh, I I need to make it seem like I know everything. Um, I think that sometimes, like I said, we put that extra pressure on ourselves and we get, can get caught up in the imposter syndrome thinking of, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know oh, how do I do this? And then we can kind of spin out when really you have to realize that everyone at some point or another doesn't know the answer and they have to just figure it out. So I think that for me, and this is something I'm still working on is just always being willing to be a beginner and to always ask questions um, and to show that you know high level of engagement and curiosity and be okay with not knowing because that's the point of, of hopefully your, your career is helping you grow and learn. And that's what we should be doing. Right. That's exactly right. Priscilla, I want to round out our interview here by a little bit, by ending on a little bit more of a money and personal question, given this is a money podcast. And I think it's so great that we're talking with somebody who has an MBA, who is the first in her family to do what she is doing. And also consulting at a big business firm. So can you tell us what is one of your biggest money learnings to date 
that you'd share with your younger self if you could? Yeah, there are so many learnings that I'm still, you know, thinking about now, especially now in my early 30s that I wish I had known when I was younger. But I would say that for sure, for a long time, I didn't think I'd never felt comfortable negotiating and asking for more when I when I did get my first few jobs, I did not negotiate that. And when I look back at that, I, I almost cringe, right? Because I'm like, I can't believe I didn't negotiate. And so that's definitely a big money lesson is to always negotiate, be, become skillful at it and to learn about it. Um, and just see it as an expectation. It's a normal part of the process. Um, and I also think that having very uh, transparent salary conversations with your peers and your friends is a great way to push for equity because I did have an experience in, when I was working where my friend and I realized that our salaries were quite lower than what it, they should be based on the, on the, on the scale for the organization where we worked. And we only found that out because we talked to a male peer of ours who had a similar experience. And we realized just how much more money he was making than us. And that's what really got us talking about, wait, this isn't really add up. This doesn't really make sense. Like, you know, and so I think those conversations are super important to be having with people that you trust. Um, and ultimately we advocated for ourselves to HR and wrote this letter and we were we realized that we had been we had been hired at a much lower rate um and then we it was approved and they actually corrected our our salaries and wow. so i think that that was a a huge learning for me when i was like whoa first of all there was a part of me that was like i should have negotiated and sometimes we can be really hard on ourselves um but at the same time you know you realize this is a systemic problem and issue and so that was one part, but secondly, just having those conversations is really important. So that was a huge learning for me. To kind of bring down those walls and learn a little bit about what's happening behind the scenes. I think that that's huge. Although you make a very right point in the sense that this is a systemic issue. And so while we have our protections around getting equity, it's absolutely something we need to address at a much higher policy and company wide level. So uh, I'm glad that you've been able to learn that and implement that. Priscilla, thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything that I didn't ask about that you'd like to add? Hmm. No, I, I think I think the last thing I'll add is that going to grad school is something that a lot of us, you know, battle back and forth, especially BIPOC folks, you know, especially the financial aspect of is it worth it? Does it make sense? It's a really scary risky decision, um, especially when we're like really trying to be stable financially, pay back student loans. And so I, I don't want my story to come across as like, this is definitely the way, right? I think it's a di very different process for everyone. Um, but I, I do encourage people who are really considering it to to just um, really just think through what what is that risk? Where is the risk aversion coming from? And is there something, is there maybe a huge ROI on the other side? Because I do think for me, it was just such a big, um, huge game changer financially for me um, in the positive, in the positive direction. So that's just one thing I wanted to add about my experience. It's not for everyone, but it's, I think for certain people, it makes a lot of sense. 
Priscilla, again, really appreciate your time today. I'm so looking forward to sharing this with our audience and anyone that may be considering an MBA or higher education to continue their career. And uh, I hope to have you back on another way here on One of the Moves. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me.